This is Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi, sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and UConn Health Orthopedic and Sports Medicine. Healthy Rounds provides general information regarding medical conditions and diseases. The information is not intended to create a doctor-patient relationship. You are encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Dr. Anthony Alessi on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com. Welcome to Healthy Rounds, the show that provides you with up-to-date medical information, and we answer all of your health questions. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great to be with you on this snowy Saturday for the next hour. And as always, we're going to be talking about the COVID-19 virus and the Omicron variant, and this is our 74th consecutive program dealing with that. But before we get into that, uh, I want to share an interesting story. As many of you know, last week, uh, my guest was Dr. Mary Gina Ratchford. So I was in a local store over at the mall this week, and there were two of the attendants there, the um, people working there were talking to each other, and I stood there waiting for them to end their conversation to ask a question. So one of them turned to me and said, could I help you? And I told them what I wanted, and she said, oh, I'll be with you in a second. And she turns to her coworker and says, write that down, Ratchford Eye Center, that's where you need to go. So I said, well, I go there as well, and so does my family. So uh, you can't get more of an endorsement than that. There's people who ask their coworkers for trusted information, and as you know, if you're a regular listener to the show, uh, the Ratchford Eye Center and Dr. Ratchford are right up there, so uh, people are out there recommending them, and that's the best advertising you could possibly get. Uh, one of the things also is how to stay sharp as you get older. And one of the things is um, doing word puzzles and things such as that. Now, I'm not a big fan from the standpoint that if that's all you do, that's going to help you. But one part of a way to keep your mind somewhat sharp is to do word games. And sometimes they just take too long. I'm not a crossword puzzle person. Uh, I'm not even a jumble person. But uh, last week, I became aware of a new game called Wordle, W-O-R-D-L-E. And you get this, you go to a website. It's not an app. There's no charge. And it's basically you're trying to guess a word. Everybody in the world gets the same word. And you have to guess that word. It's always a five-letter word. So you put out a word, and then it will tell you, what letters may be in the word you're trying to reach to and what order they may be in. So it's relatively quick to do, really gets you thinking of sharp and how you can sharpen your vocabulary. So I recommend that uh, if you're into that. And it's very interesting, the history behind the game, actually, it's created by a fellow by the name of Josh Wardle, is also interesting if you want to look that up. As I mentioned, the Omicron numbers are improving. And the question now is, how do we prepare for the future? And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what we've learned from this pandemic. We're also going to talk a little bit about general health. You know that this year I'm trying to get us back into that a little bit. And today's guest is Dr. Shadi Macron. Dr. Macron is a bariatric surgeon, and he heads up 
the weight loss program at St. Francis Hospital and Trinity Health of New England. So we're going to be talking with him a little bit about that. You know, I'm always hearing about people uh, when it came to COVID who have suddenly taken a real interest in their health. And, And I think that's great. You know, mostly it's why I'm going to get the vaccine or not get the vaccine. And it's interesting because I'm hopeful that those people, especially those who have decided not to get the vaccine, who have now done so much research on health, are also looking at other risk factors for ending their life. They've abandoned the risk factor of getting COVID and dying, but are they looking at their habits, obesity, diabetes? Do they smoke? Do they have uncontrolled high blood pressure? Do you have a primary care physician? Do you exercise regularly? So I'm hopeful they'll pay attention to that as well. Uh, And I hold out hope for that. The statistics here in the United States, we have over 882,000 Americans dead since the onset of this pandemic. And only 64% of Americans are fully vaccinated. What's frightening is that when we say fully vaccinated, that means people got two vaccines. And we do know that there's a time limit on the antibodies it creates. Now, it's not to say you have no protection, but it's clear from the Omicron variant that just hit us that having gotten the booster shot makes a difference. And only 40% of Americans have gotten the booster. That's like, that's like doing something halfway. So these are not people who decided, I'm not getting this vaccine for whatever reason. They've decided to get the vaccine, get two shots, but eh, just not go the full way and risk potential illness and severe illness, which doesn't make sense. So if you're if you haven't gotten the booster, just get the booster. Okay, just move ahead. Stay with the program as it moves along and keep yourself safe. The Connecticut positivity rate has been dropping. Uh, We're down to a little over 10% now. Uh, As you'll uh, remember, we're up into the 20% range uh, previously. So uh, it's important that we're moving in the right direction. But don't forget, this summer we were under 2%, uh, which was significant. And that leads us to think there may be some seasonal factors to this pandemic that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Here in Connecticut, we have 76% of people who are fully Uh, vaccinated, which is is key and something we're proud of here. As hospitalizations decline, and we're seeing them decline, unfortunately, death rates rise. And that's expected because the death rates always lag the hospitalization rate. So we're starting to see that change overall uh, from the vaccine and in our statistics here in Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut, once again, is among the safer states to live in uh, in the case of a pandemic. This week in, well, this day in medicine, January 29th, 1881, I wanted to mention Dr. Theodore Billroth. Dr. Billroth was an Austrian physician who performed the first gastrectomy on a patient with stomach cancer. So he took out that person's stomach in 1881. Interestingly, I mean, that's still a procedure for removing the stomach is the Bill Roth procedure. And it's interesting because 
coincidentally, our guest today, Dr. Shadi Macron, um, is a bariatric surgeon. And he uh, will be talking to us about new procedures in bariatric surgery. But also what I want to get at is what can we be doing before surgery? Surgery is a last resort. What can we be doing before surgery to get down to a healthy weight? It, on this program, back 12 years ago, uh, among our first guests was Dr. Barba, who was a bariatric surgeon who is no longer um, here in Connecticut and did gastric bypass surgery for weight loss. And it's a big problem here in the United States. I mean, in 2018, our rates were 42.4% of the United States being obese. That means a BMI of over 30, according to the CDC. So that's pretty significant because we know that obesity carries with it many, many other conditions. Heart disease, stroke, diabetes. So things that we need to really focus on. So I'm looking forward to our guest, Dr. Macron, later on in the program. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back um, talking a little bit about seasonal variation in COVID-19. I want to talk a little bit about the universal vaccine and monoclonal antibodies. Are they still useful? You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC News Talk 1080. Welcome back to Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi. And if you have questions uh, that you'd like answered uh, on the program, get them over to me at info at alessimd.com. And, you know, a lot of times your questions really trigger some of our guests. Like today's guest, uh, we're going to be talking about weight loss surgery. And one of the questions I've gotten has been, is BMI the best way to measure someone's weight and in relation to their health, uh, that statistic itself. Does it uh, really fit best? And how do, what is the best way to get uh, a, a measure of your healthy weight? So um, that, as well as we've had questions about monoclonal antibodies that I'm going to get to uh, later on in the show. One thing that's come up this week is, um, there's a fellow by the name of D.J. Ferguson, who's 31 years old, and he needs a heart transplant. He's up there at Brigham and Women's Hospital uh, in need of a heart transplant, but he has been deemed, deemed ineligible because he refuses to get the COVID-19 vaccine. He's had his other vaccinations, and there are several that are required for a transplant, such as a flu shot, a hepatitis B vaccination, but he has refused to get the COVID-19 vaccine, thus rendering him ineligible according to the criteria. Uh, believe it or not, there's a fundraising appeal. So people are trying to raise money. I don't know if they're going to try to buy him a heart. I don't know what the fundraising is about. But he wants assurance that if he gets the vaccine, it won't make his condition worse. Well, I don't think anybody can give you an assurance that something's not going to make you worse. I think the assurance is here that if he gets the virus, it will make him worse. If he doesn't get a heart transplant, it will be worse. Now, many of you know my position on heart transplants and transplants in general. I am an organ donor. 
but my organs can only be given to someone who is also an organ donor. Now, that may sound crazy to you folks, but there are people out there who receive organs, receive a kidney, receive a heart, and in turn, they are not donors. So if something happened to them and that organ can now be harvested, it cannot. I think that's the same here is, do I want my organs going to someone who will put that organ at risk, who is putting part of my body at risk because of their personal choice? There are rules in this world, and no one's saying he has to get the vaccine. They're just saying that there is no right that he be the next person to get this heart. So the next person who is vaccinated, has done all and followed the required steps, will get the heart. It's not like a heart's going to go to waste. So um, I want people to understand that. There's, there's a certain level of fairness that needs to be understood here. Um, there's also talk about seasonal variations for COVID-19. And so... In looking at this, and we're learning every day about the virus and about its various variations and mutations. So in looking at this, since we expect this to now become endemic, not enough people have gotten vaccination, so it's going to be with us for a very, very long time. So they're looking at peaks in the virus, the spread of the virus, based on temperature and humidity. And you look at that globally. So, for example, uh, in the Northeast, they expect those numbers to rise, and, and certainly not to the proportion they've risen this year. Certainly we pray that those do not, that doesn't happen again. But in the Northeast, it will go up in winter, whereas in the South, it will go up in summer. So they think that anything below 62 degrees or above 75 degrees are climactic conditions for the virus to prosper. Now, you can't just rely on that. That's only one of the factors here because you have to look at, obviously, when it's colder, people are indoors more. Also, we have to look at when it's warm out, we're indoors, and we have air conditioning. So we really have to look at the effects of air conditioning and filtration and air filtration in various settings. But we're learning more and more about the virus and how we can keep ourselves safe. And this is a global campaign. Another question that's come up and come to me is, will we ever have a universal vaccine? I believe we will, but it'll be some time. And the reason it's going to take time is our vaccines right now have been targeting the spike protein of the coronavirus. And that's what allows it to attach to a human cell so it could live off of it. It's a parasite. It is that spike protein that undergoes the most mutation, whereas the core of the virus doesn't mutate as quickly. So any universal vaccine has to be targeting the core of the virus, and that is much harder to do. Yet we are seeing some antibodies that have carried through towards all the variations. So 
um, there is progress being made, but it's not something that's going to be immediate. Uh, the other question we had was about uh, monoclonal antibodies. Uh, this week, the monoclonal antibodies from Regeneron and Eli Lilly were taken off the market by the FDA. The reason is they don't work against Omicron. Think about it. The word is monoclonal. It is very specific. It's like a surgical attack on the virus as opposed to a more broad-range attack and more broad antibodies that you get from convalescent plasma transfusion or you get from having the virus. The most broad you get is if you've had the virus and you've been vaccinated. So people with convalescent plasma who receive it from someone who has had Omicron and has been vaccinated, has the most broad. So monoclonal antibodies, they're a one-shot deal, and these two are not working, so they are ineffective. We're going to take a short break, then we're going to be back with my guest today, Dr. Shadi Macron, who is a bariatric surgeon from St. Francis Hospital in Trinity Health of New England. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC News Talk 1080. Welcome back to Healthy Rounds. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome my guest today, uh, Dr. Shadi Macron. Uh, Dr. Macron is the Regional Director of Bariatric Surgery for Trinity Health of New England. Um, he is a graduate of a very famous university in Lebanon, the AUB, the American University of Beirut, of which I have uh, known multiple physicians who have graduated from that excellent, excellent university. He is uh, trained at Yale and is a general surgeon specializing in bariatric surgery. Dr. McCrone, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony, for having me, and thank you for the introduction. Um, so let's talk a little bit about weight loss. Everybody's into weight loss beginning of the year. And there are kind of, it seems like there's two ways to go. There are these lifestyle programs, for lack of a better term, right? Pounds transformation, uh, Weight Watchers. I know UConn and most hospitals have these um, lifestyle programs versus surgery. How does, how does it all connect? How does it all work together? At what point? does the lifestyle modification not work? Yes. So um, we cannot consider ourselves or any program cannot consider themselves as just a, a surgical weight loss program. In order for you to be a successful program, you have to be involved in patient care. So you should know exactly what each and every individual, each and every patient need for them to have a successful outcome, either prior to surgery or if they don't need surgery, or after surgery itself. Um, you know, just to start briefly, um, you know, um, morbid obesity is not a lifestyle. That's why that's a misnomer that everybody thinks that, um, you know, if I go to some place that's going to help me with behavioral changes because my problem is me eating more, I will be able to lose the weight. Morbid obesity is a disease. Now, currently, we list it on our on our medical record as a disease, as a morbid obesity. And the reason is everybody knows that somebody has a family member or a friend that probably eat more than they do, but they will never gain the weight. But for them, if even they smell the food or just barely taste the food, 
they will gain the weight. That's why it's an integrated part. We have to involve the, we have to be involved in these patients' behavior, um, type of food, way of eating, and that's why surgery is so important. And that's the message that I always tell to my patients that it has to be a whole process. It could be behavioral health, it could be medication, it could be surgery, and that's why it all comes together. We cannot differentiate ourselves surgery versus behavior approach, and that's the problem. And we define morbid obesity, right? The BMI is over 40, correct? Um, to be certain definitions say over 40. Currently, we say obesity is anything above 30 BMI. 35 and up will be considered on morbid obesity. So, um, but, you know, insurance company has different you know, nomenclature and how they go with it. And that's what sometimes make, us, make it difficult for us. But usually for us, anything above 35 is considered morbid obesity. So is BMI the best indicator of someone's weight or their health in relation to weight? Yes. That, so that's a, that's a great thing. I always, always tell my patients in order for them to know exactly what they are, like either they have to consider themselves has certain amount of weight from baseline or BMI, which is the most important thing. I always give this example that, you know, somebody who is seven foot, like Shaquille O'Neal, seven foot one or two, and has and is 300 pounds is actually considered relatively a BMI of 28 or 29. But somebody who's 300 pounds and four foot nine or even five feet is considered morbidly obese. So that's why height has to be accounted in, and that's where BMI is. You know, calculate that. It's height. It's weight over height squared multiplied by a factor. And the easiest thing is to go on. You know, the phone, the website, or any website, and just plug in the weight and the height, and we'll give the BMI. So let's talk a little bit. Tell us a little bit about the program at Trinity Health of New England and how do you incorporate um, all the different factors when patients come to you? When someone calls um, your number, at, uh, and I'll give the number now, 203-709-3572, or go on to the website at trinityhealthofne.org forward slash the letter Y and the word weight. When they go on there and start getting involved in your program, what makes it different than anything else? Yeah, and that's why when I started, I saw like we tried to be a completely comprehensive program. So when somebody comes into us, you know, we don't go straight to surgery. We try to find out what are their needs. You know, somebody would show up and they have a BMI of 30 or 31, and all what they need is to lose some weight. And that's why we try to integrate some behavioral changes. We refer for a psychological evaluation because a lot of the weight gain is secondary to some emotional eating and also we refer for a dietitian who would help and you know tell them what's good what's bad we go we focus on the healthy pyramid of eating what we should be eat more of and what should we eat less of and then also we integrate you know medicine if we see that the patient needs some um, help um, whether it is the medication to increase their metabolism medication to suppress their appetite that's also part of the whole thing. But most of the time, a lot of the patients, and, you know, I'm talking of, of experience, have tried everything, have tried the Weight Watchers, have tried medication that their primary care physician has given. Um, so that's when, you know, that's when we try to lead them into surgery if that's what, what their intention is. And then we have, you know, a completely different type of surgery that is, um, you know, we tailor it according to the needs of the patient. So... And that's why we are a comprehensive program. And 
um, if you want to touch base on postoperatively, which is the most important, by far the most important care of the patient, is what we pride ourselves in what we do. So when we look at this, some people in terms of medication, and I'm glad you brought up that idea because uh, now some of the hypoglycemic medications, right, I think it's Ozempic or whatever it is, people are starting to lose a lot of weight. And there have been several articles in the New England Journal of Medicine um, regarding the use of uh, hypoglycemic uh, injections um, to lose weight. Have you found that to be effective? They're actually, they're actually pretty effective, some of them alone, some of them in combination with other medication. And these medications, just to talk a med- little bit medical terms, they are a GLP-1 receptor agonist. So essentially, um, they were made to induce insulin secretion. So um, we give them patients who are diabetic. That will help in you know, increasing the amount of insulin. The, the good thing about them is that they work only if the blood sugar is high. And if the blood sugar is normal, they will not function there. But they were found over time that they also work on the hypothalamus by suppressing the appetite, by stimulating the peristalsis in the intestine, and that altogether has shown to help lose some weight. Some patients have a great response. They will lose significant amount of weight just by taking them. Some patients will be like, you know, barely lose anything, which could be a factor of, you know, multiple factors involved. Like uh, they might be need some medication to increase their, you know, their metabolism, and that's why we, we add them to other medication, and actually we found some success. One thing I'd like to say, uh, the problem with medication, which we always disclose to all patients, is that the minute that you stop taking the medication, the body will go into rebound uh, because it's right to go back to old, patients would like to go back to old habits. They go back to eating unhealthy. And what they do is they gain the weight as soon as they stop the medication. That's why we try to advise, you know, we're going to help initially to lose the weight, but after we stop taking the medication because we cannot take it for a long time. It's not a chronic or a long-term treatment, the minute that we stop the medication, they have to learn what's good for their body. They have to learn what they have to eat to maintain the weight loss, how much they have to exercise to maintain the weight loss, and that's when we see most of the success. You know, I'm, I'm very happy because so far in this interview, you have emphasized the fact that it's not one size fits all. And I think that in medicine, we sometimes see that, right? If, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So I'm happy that you're emphasizing that each individual patient has different needs, whether it be medication, whether it be a holistic approach, or whether it be surgery. So uh, let's get into the surgery. When we first started this show, the only surgery there was was gastric bypass. Um, Then we saw the evolution of um, the balloon um, to narrow off the sphincter. So where are we now? How has this all evolved? So there are, there are multiple surgeries that have been introduced over time. There's almost six or seven surgeries that goes from lab band to the gastric balloon to duodenal switch, gastric bypass, deep gastrectomy, vertical band gastric. So a lot of names we can, we can mention all sure. of them that were tried and were attempted to help lose weight. Some of them were successful. Some of them were, uh, had a lot, of, you know, a lot of problems associated with them, which is mainly malnutrition, and, uh, you know, dumping syndrome and issues like that. And that's why recently we focus on the ones that are most successful. Uh, the most successful, too, as you said, gastric bypass, since it was introduced, has been shown to be the most success. Um, right, that's why right now we consider it as the gold standard. We try to benchmark every single surgery that's going to be introduced on that. Um, sleeve gastrectomy is now the most common by far. I think 80% of surgery is done. 
nationwide are sleeve gastrectomy or even worldwide are sleeve gastrectomy. There are recently we introduced um, the uh, single anastomosis or one anastomosis gastric bypass. Um, also, over time, which is one thing we're going to talk about, um, after we do all of these surgeries, which is mainly gastric bypass or sleeve gastrectomy, um, we've noticed over time that there is at least anywhere between 10 to 20 percent um, weight gain postoperatively. And that's why we start to look for options that we can help the patient. That's why for gastric bypass, we can try to revise the gastric bypass. For the sleeve gastrectomy, we try to switch. And that's why when we introduce the, the recent surgery, or most likely diabetic situations, heartburn, arthritis, heart disease, when we do the surgery, what we, what we is that most of those medical conditions will be reversed. Uh, the minute that we discharge the patient after surgery, they, will not, they don't have to take any more. You do, you, we, we reevaluate afterwards, but right medications, we stop the antihypertensive medication, we stop the high cholesterol medication. We even ask them that after we lose the first 20 or 30 pounds, if they have a sleep apnea machine, to stop using it or get reevaluated for that. Because in most of those situations, anywhere between 80 to 95%, they don't need any of that anymore. And right. that's, the, that's the best part about the surgery. That's the most rewarding part about the surgery um, and what they get the most benefit. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. And thank you for everything you do for our listeners and your patients at Trinity Health of New England. If you're interested, the phone number is 203-709-3572 or go to trinityhealthofne.org slash wait. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back to wrap things up. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back, and uh, we're going to wrap up this uh, program on this snowy Saturday. Many thanks to our studio producer, Anthony Dorenzo, has been on the board today. Jeff Chandler's in charge of sales and marketing for Healthy Rounds. Um, Steve, I got your question. Uh, I'm going to great question. If you other people have questions for me, anything about their general health or the virus, uh, the COVID-19 virus, it's info at alessimd.com. Until then, please stay healthy. This has been Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi, sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and UConn Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Be sure to tune in next Saturday morning at 11 for more Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com.